Welcome to the Slingshot Group podcast, where we tackle the leadership topics everyone is thinking about, but no one is talking about. And now, let's join our hosts for today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome to the Slingshot Group podcast. I'm Vance Martin, and I'm joined here with my friends David Miller and Keith Robinson. Today we're talking about something pretty cool and awesome. Everybody is thinking about this, but I don't hear a lot of people talking about it, is how to retain and recruit the best. Today we're talking about five ways that you can do just that. This is something that we live, guys. This is our world slingshot group. All the time. Huge part of it is um, recruiting. And so we've developed and thought through these five reasons. These is, this is the reason why somebody that's awesome who's on your team is going to stay. Mm-hmm. And then also somebody that is not yet on your team. One of the things that I love about what we get to do, we come into a church as an outsider. We can come with these five lenses and say, what about this? Mm-hmm that you may not even know about can highlight and we can rise to the top so that somebody says, yeah, I want to be a part of that kind of place. Yeah. I want to work there. Yep. What do you guys say? We dive in? Yeah. No, hey, no, no interview today. Yeah. yeah that's, 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 just, that's a little we, new. We, we, we are the interview. Right. This is the thing we breathe. Well, let's, got, let's just dive in, guys. Um, this one's pretty obvious, and it's the one thing that uh, churches can't change. Yeah, you have no control over it. Right? <laughs> you you can't control this is your location. This is where you're at on location, the big map location on the location globe. <laughs> what does this mean when you guys think about when we are helping churches recruit people to where they are? It's a very different proposition when we're d- dealing with a church in California than we are in a church in the Midwest, different than Texas. What are some reasons that you guys have found that people are willing to pick up their household? and move their families across the country? Why would they come to a location? What it is about a place? Yeah. I, I think that the, the number one thing is um, if they have some sort of tie there. Um, it doesn't matter where in the country you are, whether it is the typical um, you know, place that people are moving to or a place that people are moving away from. Um, if there is a connection Mm-hmm. to that place where they grew up there they have family there um even like strange things like um there's a sports team they love like yeah. i i remember getting somebody um who had had no other connection to st louis except for they loved the cardinals that's reason enough and they immediately they were like were like dude i could totally see myself at that church and, and, and there's something about that emotional connection and so i don't think that it, that's always necessary to that's, have that when we're, there's something huge to it and when we're, we're pitching those people to the the pastors that's typical we leave with hey there i know that their the resume is not great but they're a Cardinals fan. Their resume is not great, <laughs> but, they but they're a Cardinals fan. They, and they really want to live here yeah. because the Cardinals. Um, yeah, you're right. There's, David, all, there's all kind of things. When you though. opened up, you said this. I mean, it's obviously something that churches can't change, but I do think it is something that they can better understand. And leverage. Yeah, and leverage yes. their own ability. For instance, uh, you know, uh, like all of us at Slingshot, sometimes we get, you know, churches that we work with that are in remote locations. Mm-hmm. And I've mm-hmm. been uh, literally on a Sunday morning in a four-wheel drive truck uh, at an ice fishing camp on the middle of a frozen lake yes. in Wisconsin. Yes, uh, helping And them. someone just heard that and said, I want to work I there. I want to go there. That's the thing. That's it. That's exactly what and it is. we did find them. Exactly. And so what was so fun about that, though, is the idea that 
that individual was so jazzed up exactly about a lifestyle that he could live with his family and spread out and do what God's called him to do in yes. that space. And most churches miss that. It's what is uh, Dan Lavalle, who's on our team, uh, does tons of our children's ministry searches. Whenever he's on a site visit with churches, he loves to go find restaurants that are great. And, yes. and we've kind of moved mm-hmm. this into helping churches understand what's local and what's memorable. Mm-hmm. So when when a candidate is coming out, don't take them to a chain restaurant. What is a local place that I can't get this food anywhere else? Yes. What are the things that I can do while I'm here that I can't do anywhere else? Every every area of the country has a something that someone loves. Yes. And making it some you know some, it, it's familiarity. This just becomes this is where I live. This is the street that I go down. Look at your town, look at your city, look at your region with new eyes. Mm-hmm. What are the things that stand out that that make, it's it's all about the uniqueness. It's not just yeah. X church in X city. Yeah. It's they, again, they're moving their family. Why would they move their family? What are the amazing parks? What are the, the, schools. the, the, the schools? What are the things that could pique, pique their interest? And a lot of times churches will look at somebody well, they're from a you know a lot of times in a rural area. Well, they're in a they're in a big city, so they're they don't they wouldn't want to move. Mm. They wouldn't want to move here. A lot of times, candidates are talking to us. I just want to get out of the city. Mm-hmm. We I just really want to move my family to a small get a small town feel. That's what we're looking for. So I'd say don't say no for people either. Yeah, yeah. just because you look at their background and where they're from and just assume, well, they're not going to be a fit for us. Yeah. Or we're in the southeast and we got to have somebody that understands southern culture and this, and so we're going to rule out somebody. Mm-hmm. There's a reason if somebody's is looking at your role and we can help elevate what makes this place unique and they want to go there. What are the things that? What's the buzz in your town? Figure that out. What's there's the thing that make unique? There is something about every location. There's something about every location that can cause somebody to not want to go there. And I think that both are valuable, but we have to be honest about where we are, where we are, and start to really lean into it. I, I, I love. Uh, we were talking a little bit even before recording. There's there's a church out here in Anaheim that that they they get a bunch of residents at their church, and one of the things they they do. I actually I'm not sure if they still do it, but I know they did for years. Is they would give out um a uh, passes to Disneyland because they were so close to Disneyland. Like and there's something amazing <laughs> to that. There's another church that I worked with in Ohio mm-hmm. that um, that that one of the biggest state fairs is in is right down the road from this church. And there's something and so um, and so what they do is they 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 pitch that vision. Hey, at this point in the year, this this um, facility right here is full of people from all over the state and surrounding states that we're going to have influence with. There's something amazing about everywhere mm-hmm. and sometimes you're so inundated with your own locale you know your own yep. um, town that you forget or you talk yourself out of thinking that there's something cool there when you know again going on a four-wheeler to get out onto an ice uh, yeah. a, you know a lake to go ice fishing is exactly what someone's looking for not me yep. but someone yep. else someone totally, else right. totally so number one, location, what's special about your place. Number two, I think is probably one of the most spiritual and deep um, issues and topics, and that is money, 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 compensation, what we're going to pay. And, and this is uh, more than just a salary, the base salary, but this is also benefits and all the things that go with that. And one of the things that 
churches sometimes struggle with is their their needs or more than likely their desires sometimes most of the time mm-hmm. are greater than what their compensation budget is and that's part of what we have to do a lot of times is managing expectations you're wanting the person that has this education with this much experience and you know has done it for this long and has this degree and is this personality and fits this number in the Enneagram and they better not be that over here on the Myers-Briggs. And we want to pay them 35 grand, by the way. (laughs) Right, yeah. Yeah, those things aren't compatible all the time. Yeah, I always, I I, I like to talk through the lens of it's like real estate. Like no matter where you're living, no matter what you're doing, most people want more house than they can afford. And so, and and, and actually that's healthy. There's something that's good and that makes sense about wanting more than you can afford. But now we got to figure out how to help that person um, be attracted to your staff. What is that actually going to look like moving forward? Uh, there's there's a phrase um, that that we've been using with some of our churches, and we'll say uh, you you don't want money to be the reason that someone comes, mm-hmm. but you also don't want money to be the reason they don't come. And yeah. there's this really interesting sweet spot between uh, overpaying, mm-hmm. you know, because that's also, this is not just about, you know, I don't want someone leaving this point thinking, oh, those guys just want me to to, to, to pay more I mean, if to you, somebody. But if, they, David, but if they want to, <laughs> yeah, just slow your roll For over sure. there, son. I hear that. I hear that. But but there's something about what does it look like for you to, um, to understand the value of what you're trying to do. You don't want money to be the reason they come. You don't want to pay $100,000 for your next blank mm-hmm. and this is what and this is uh and that's the reason they come but you don't want to pay as you said Vance 35,000 and that's the reason they don't and yeah. so somewhere in there is what you're actually looking for well it's understanding the circumstance every every job is different every region so there's so many variables there isn't a one salary fits all right and there's not even within a job you know we're t- when we're looking at Help when we do help churches. One salary may may work for one candidate, and it might not work right. for another candidate. So for a sure. lot of times, it's hey, we want this person, and what is it going to take to meet their needs? Mm-hmm. What do they need? And let's 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 talk through a little bit because um, I think obviously everybody has this issue. They w- I think everybody would want to pay more, mm-hmm. but a lot of times we have to get creative. Let's talk mm-hmm. about some of the creative things we've had to do when we talk about compensation, helping people understand. I know of one, I'll just go really quickly. I had this candidate who um, was, we were getting really close with, with this church and we were off um, on the salary by about $10,000. And so I started digging into this stuff, digging into, okay, what does this really mean, apples and oranges? You were making this here, but they're paying this. And so come to find out this last church was not contributing at all to Social Security taxes. Mm -hmm. So that right there, this new church was doing what the standard of most churches do is pay half. Mm -hmm. They they, they actually contributed. And guess what? That put us at $8,000. Of the ten, yep. so I banked back, came back to the church and said, "We're two grand off," and they said, "We'll make up, we'll make up the difference." Yeah. So, so many times, even there is little things that when I say when I say a salary, even what I'm making or what I have made or what I want, what does it mean? And it helps to dig into some of the details of compensation. Right. Is not just a base salary. So, looking into it's don't look at just the base base money. 
what's the salary and what creative things can we do to get get you what you need in different ways sometimes. I've noticed a shift to happening philosophically. It feels like the church uh, in general is starting to lean into this idea that we should really take care of our people. The people yeah. that are here, that are pros at what they do, that are great at what they do, that are valuable team members, we want to invest in them. And so I think there's something to this that organizations that are able to attract and retain, that they are competitive yeah. in their pay. And and the reason is because it says something, it signals something to that potential candidate or that employee that says, we understand that the most valuable asset on this team is sitting in this room right now. Yeah. And, and we want to invest in that, that it's the human resource that we're here to bring the best out of. And if we compensate that person well, we're going to get the best of them. And I think that when we do that, we we actually have the ability to call greatness out of people mm-hmm. and to hold people to a high standard of accountability as well. What I found is when organizations, well, I worked in organizations where they're just paying really low, it's hard to expect a certain level of quality right. and responsiveness mm-hmm. in what's happening. And sometimes our frustrations are rooted in as leaders, perhaps we need to take a step back, look at our budget and say, where do we need to invest our resources in such a way that, so that we can maximize the kind of content that our leaders are producing and the way that they're leading? Well, right. and in the type of person, if I can, a lot of churches will hire two people to do, let's say children's and student students, maybe even I've done this a lot with smaller churches. And the salary that they're offering, this is not going to be somebody that is a high-capacity, high-level leader. Mm-hmm. And so what if instead we hire a family pastor or next-gen pastor, put them over both, but they're a doer. I mean, they're not a doer. They're a developer. Right. They're a quipper. They're leading through other people. You get, a high, you get much more bang for your buck out of somebody who is leading through other people and not just carrying the weight of the ministry themselves. I, I, think, I think we have to come to terms with the fact as leaders that money is emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we have to understand that the average person, like like here's something that I've noticed and, and you guys can push on this. Um, I've noticed that, uh, and I'll use, you know, I'll use kind of middle numbers here. Uh, if somebody is going to pay $50,000, that is, that is going to, um, that is going if they pay forty nine that feels like forty, yeah. If they paid, uh, you know, if they paid fifty one that feels like fifty. You know, it's it's actually not like in you know when you're going through math class you're always told hey you round up after this point, but that first number is the thing that people hear the first. Yeah, and I'm not saying this is logical, but it is the experience of most of the people that we work with. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, like and so I, I I'm working with a candidate right now. He was just offered um, $69,000 for the role that he's looking at. And and what's difficult is that when he heard that, he heard 60. Yeah. And he didn't hear 70. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, marketers do this to us all the time. They say, 1699. hey. $16.99. Yeah. They, yeah. They say, hey, come on in. It's a it's 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 $1.99 when you know you're paying over $2, but it feels like you're paying a dollar. And there's something about that that we've been conditioned to believe that. And so as you're putting your salary package together, it's important to understand that the audience is this candidate that you're going to be moving toward. Mm -hmm. I I would say that the other thing that's incredibly important when it comes to um, coming up with a a competitive salary package 
is understanding um, that there is more than, this is what you are getting at before, Vance, there is more than the base salary that you can lean into this. Mm-hmm. Um, though the base salary will be the most emotional part. Yeah. The base salary, everything else feels like that's what they're supposed to do. So when you say base salary plus, um, you know, plus insurance, people think, oh, yeah, well, duh. But insurance can mean so many different right. things to so right. many different churches. Uh, and then there are the, the really creative things that we can do with our, with our churches. An example, I have a church that's, that's in this very wealthy part of um, Southern California. And, um, and, and I mean, in a place that for what they could afford to pay, someone, there's no way someone could live there. Mm-hmm. And so what the church did, which I think is brilliant, I've had a couple of churches that have done this, is that over the years, they've bought a few houses near yeah. the neighborhood. And so when this new, um, for this position, it's a youth pastor, when this new youth pastor comes on the team, right away, they're going to get to get into one of these houses. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to have free rent, no mortgage. That gets taken off. From day one, from their from what they're having, yeah. so that that goes into the salary, it goes into the yeah. the compensation package of this entire thing. You can be creative; it doesn't have to feel weird and gross. Um, mm-hmm. But understand that the way that you convey that story will matter a lot to the candidate that you're talking to. Well, that's some good stuff there. I mean, and and I think the the moral of the story is get creative, get creative, and and we have to compensate people for what they're worth. All right, we're going to jump into number three, and this is a seat at the table. People people want a voice. People want to, want to have influence. They want not just a seat at a table, because you can have a seat at a table but not have influence. It's a seat at the table with influence that they can speak into the life yeah. and the flow of, of, of a church. Yeah. We, we hear this all the time. People are leaving because they don't. Yeah. Have a seat at the table. Yeah, it's so important. And, and really, a seat at the table, you said it, it means voice and vote. That's good. So it's that ability to speak up, but then it's also ability to carry the kind of weight that says, we should go this direction. And so, you know, as I think about this, how many leaders either leave or don't go to a church over this issue, um, in, in some ways, all of them, of course, are really important and they go into the mix, right? These areas that we're talking about, about why a person says yes and how a church can attract and retain leaders. But really what we're saying, when we give someone voice and vote, we're saying, this is a place that cares about you. This is a, a place that's not just here to see what they can get out of you. Yeah. You're not just a widget that we're right. going to plug into a machine. Yeah. Well, and how often are you talking to someone who's making this hire? And what they say is, we want a leader of leaders. Yeah. And and, and, and here's one of my favorite kind of pushback when when in the middle of this conversation. Because um, I would say, for me, that's that's at least 90%, if not 100%. I was going to say, isn't pretty much everything you say a pushback, David? <laughs> that's like, <laughs> that, that, that is David at least, pushback That is Miller. at least my reputation I won't speak to how true it is, but it's but true. the concept of um, we want a we want a leader of leaders, and so um, my next question is typically, well, how much are you actually going to let them lead? Mm-hmm. Yeah, are are they leading only within this little context, um, and are they leading? In, should you know you're looking for someone that should lead something much larger, but they're choosing to lead in this place? What is it about the voice? the vote, the seat at the table that you're offering that's going to make someone who is truly not just on paper a leader of leaders, but is actually has the chops to be a leader of leaders. What is it about the voice that's going to make them want to come? And you guys have been in that seat, 
right when it was only the title mm-hmm. and totally. you had all of the yes. responsibility but it's none so of the authority to actually carry out the assignment that you were given absolutely things are just just handed down the edict from the throne from on, on high, high. Yeah. Uh, and it's not that, that that you always have to be right you know voice and vote doesn't mean that you always get your right. way or agreement so, right so it's we're not, not about saying that every time they say something the only way to get a great person is that every time they say something you have to do what they say that's not what this is but this is that they at least had a chance to speak it they at least were in yeah. the room yeah and so this is especially true you guys when you're having someone that's making what i would refer to as a lateral move mm-hmm. when someone is a teaching pastor somewhere they're going to be a teaching pastor somewhere else mm-hmm. or they're a campus pastor or a youth pastor or a right they're, they're moving from one and they're going to have almost the same title yeah this idea of voice and, and, and one of you said just a moment ago they're leaving a place because they had all the responsibility but none of the voice yeah and they want to go to a place that they that they will have voice and i think there are a lot of ways to to live this out do you have a couple like thoughts on that yeah it, as the leader coming in from the outside, the worst thing that could happen is that they start to think like everyone else in the room immediately. Absolutely. Yeah. The real value that you get by adding someone from the outside is their voice and their vote. They're an outsider. They're an outsider. They're, first, bringing, outside They're bringing fresh eyes. eyes. Yeah. Andy Stanley says that time in erodes awareness of. It's interesting. So if you're bringing people from the outside who think like you and act like you and behave like you and have all the same set of skills and relationships that you have, yeah. what value are you actually adding to your organization? Yeah. Yeah. There's new perspective that that is so valued. And, and back to what you were saying about a leader of leaders. What is a leader of leaders? Well, typically we're talking about a change agent, mm-hmm. somebody that's going to come up, come in, shake, now knowing when and how. Right. And so again, it's not, it's not we're going to take, we're not going to, it's not a blank right. check on everything you say is, is that's now gospel. We've written that is canon, but someone that if we want a leader of leaders, they are going to do a lot of what you do, David, push back, right? Like yeah. push, ask, Expect ask to questions. You want to have people around you that just don't say yes and agree. We're talking about someone that can have their personality, whether it, whatever however that manifests as a leader but that to contribute to the overall factor of the team where i've been on a team where i i sit at the table but there's nothing more frustrating than than what happens is you you speak up you say your piece but yet it it's falls on deaf ears or this this decision is still made what it really comes down to is People just want to be able to express and have some type of control on the outcome that is coming coming their way. So a seat at the table isn't necessarily inviting someone into the executive the executive team. That's not what right. we're saying. It's it, having a seat at the table is if there's something that involves my area of ministry that I am asked and able to speak into and give an opinion about how that affects my area of ministry. Mm-hmm. So many times, especially, you know, I'm, I lead our next-gen team, so I'll speak for our next-gen team, children's leaders, student leaders. That is the bit, a huge area of contention where a lead pastor or the executive team will make a decision and never think through, what are the implications of us adding another service? And they're never asked, they're never talked through. So it's not about, Hey, we need to invite whoever we need. They need to be at the executive table. That's not what we're saying at all. A seat at the table is invited into the conversations that 
we need to be invited into and our opinions and voice is heard. And early enough on in the process too that it doesn't feel like tokenism. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we talked to you, so... We we heard from you right now. I the the one piece that I will that I will push because I'm sure there are people that are listening that are like there aren't a, there's so many decisions. How do I get everyone? Here 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 is the reality that I've seen. There will be people that you hire that are supposed to be yes people. Hmm. There will be people that you hire that that maybe yes, don't even value that as much as as much as some do. Typically, slingshot is not brought in to bring in a role player on the team. If you are truly looking for a leader, and again, I'm using that word. I mean, I'm trying to even, as I say it, put the emphasis. If you're truly looking for a leader, you have to give them space to lead. And voice is a huge value marker to that leader of, of will I actually be able to lead here or am I simply a role player? Yeah. And, and I think this issue has become more and more prevalent, especially with millennials and Gen Z. If I could just park on that for a second, because I think it's important. There's been this dynamic shift. When I was growing up as a Gen X being raised, you know, in a home where you didn't really have voice yeah. until you earned a certain amount of, you earned your stripes. Yeah. And so I still feel like we live in a world and a culture where these kind of conflicting mm-hmm. worldviews around what it means. And and so David and Vance, you guys both said something in your millennial ebook, uh, which is a brilliant resource. If listeners haven't read that yet, be sure to check it out. But you talked about this idea of, and I'm going to paraphrase, but the concept was that we're punishing younger leaders for having not done all the things that previous generations have done instead of right. letting them stand on our shoulders and be a platform to go further and faster than we ever could have gone. And I love that that shift in mentality, it has to do with voice and vote. It, even, it isn't so much about giving all the control or the authority away. Yeah, It's inviting them in, understanding that... It's that, a collaborative conversation. Exactly. It's good. That's really good. Enough said. I mean, I think we just wrote another book right there, guys. Just that then. was just so, was good. All right, let's move on to uh, number four. Yeah. Upward mobility. What do you guys think of when you hear upward mobility? Because for me, I think of especially, I mean, I look at my, my own life. I've was always seen, I started in, in children's ministry. And I kind of was pegged as the children's pastor, the children's guy, and that's all I could ever be until I went to my last church where they saw something better in me. And I stuck around longer because they gave me opportunities to do other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I think specifically from the recruiting side, um, upward mobility, we have to paint the picture of what are you getting here that you weren't getting there. And so some of that could be about the role. So someone um, is going to say, "Hey, I was uh, the lone the lone ranger at my campus, and now I have a staff that I get to oversee." Yeah. Um, I, I I got to uh, I, at my last church. I wasn't on the executive team, and at this one, I am. Or Vance, where you know, for you, I was the children's pastor at my last church, and now I still oversee children's, but I get a chance to um, be on the teaching team. Yeah. In some um, networks, it's that. You know, it's the ordination process, right? Of director yes. to pastoral leadership. Absolutely. Just just 
the average person again this this stuff is emotional the average person is not is not trying to do an intentional lateral move if they're staying in the same location if it's around the same pay if it's uh if they're going to have a similar voice there needs to be something about the role that entices them in and says this we see more in you because of where you've been because of what you've done we see yeah. this um, opportunity that we want to put in front of you to to move forward and and again that will that will make someone come in that's brand new that will also make someone want to stay longer i've talked to others though um there's there's one church i'm thinking of in particular that's kind of one of those you know big national and they're like hey if our youth pastor is still the youth pastor here in five years we've all done something wrong they should be moving into other positions and i know that church and they're amazing and they're amazing and they're doing amazing things and actually there are amazing people that are the kingdom is served in an incredible way because some of those people are going to move up in their or or in different roles in their organization and some of those um, leaders are going to move into other organizations and do incredible things right. based on what they learned there yeah so so to pose it as a i don't know if this is a question but as a pro, as like a value proposition yeah mm-hmm. the idea is um of, of of enticing someone or recruiting somebody onto your team the upward mobility um factor here is come here because you will learn things and have opportunities here that will serve you as you go into your next yeah there's whether your next is here or somewhere else yeah there's something yep. amazing about that i think there, there's because it will be a, the the chances are there's going to be a somewhere else. Well, uh, um, yeah. in, in like our succession um, coaching that we do, we say everyone in every role is interim. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. everyone in every role is going to hand over the ministry to somebody else. I, yeah. And so to, to, to create something that is you know built completely around this personality or this single person that they're going to be there forever is incredibly short-sighted. And so to have the mentality of, and plus, again, emotionally, no one wants to be pigeonholed. No, they don't. nobody wants to be seen as you are only the thing that I when I first met you yeah. because people evolve, relationships evolve, people get better as they go. But I think great organizations spot that in people immediately and call the future forward into the conversation. Good. And I'll give an example. My first conversation with Stan Endicott about coming onto the team at Slingshot, he lobbed forward on me. Now, lobbing forward, of course, is one of the five uh, competencies that we teach in our improv leadership model, but. This idea where he he looked at me and said, Keith, I think two years from now that you're going to be doing something at, something different at Slingshot, yeah. helping us than you are right now. Yeah, and of course, in a year and a half, I was, and, well, I don't, and that he was, didn't have that. In that mind. was the plan. No, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, the plan. Yeah, it was all along, Keith. And that's okay. both. And that's both terrifying. It is for someone to hear. Well, I just got here. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah. Like you know, but that but there's something to the right leader to a leader of leaders because I I. I, I that phrase, I both love and hate it. But to that leader of leaders, that is... It's so not you, David, because it's a cliche. I know. And it just it we doesn't it. wear well on I, you. <laughs> I'm glad I can see doesn't. the pain I know. in your but, face. But it's interesting that for the right leader, that that didn't cause confusion about my assignment at all. Right. All it did was say, there's a future here and it we're excited to yes. have on this team. That's and so, the best want to hear that. So if you want to attract the best to your church, be a place where... People can move up yep. and maybe even move out. Yeah, it's good. Zing. Number five. Guys, we're rolling through these. This is some good stuff. We are writing the book right now. Uh, unique culture. Every church, every organization has a unique culture and a unique vision. What is the culture, the the ethos of your place that's different, and your vision? Because a lot of people, what we're talking to, they're looking for Here's one that I hear all the time. I want to go to a healthy culture. Yep. 
and that can mean so many so, that means a lot of different so things. many yeah. so many different things and healthy can mean one one structure is healthy for one person and it's not for another yeah. but vision and a vision the same way you know a, a church that is doing things one way or in a different way it's kind of like what we're talking about the location this is something that's just this is who you are yeah. And what are the things that you can draw out? And you're living in it, and it might be hard for you to see what is unique and different, but there are things that are unique and different that people will be attracted to. I think coming back to what you just said is really important, though, because so many churches don't understand or have not codified what it is that makes them unique and distinct in their culture. Yeah. And part of it is we're running so fast, 52 weeks of events a year, program after program, night after night, week after week of events— do we really take time to step back and say what makes us unique and what will make us uniquely attractive to the right type of leader? Yeah. And so one of the most important things I think organizations can do is they begin to think about recruiting and retaining top, you know, talent and staff, next level staff is it's almost like in conversation. I tell my kids, you don't understand something in school well enough until you can articulate it clearly. So when you can tell me what it is and you can explain it, then I know you've got it. Yep. And in organizations, you don't understand what culture is until you can explain it, until you can quantify it. And so mm-hmm. that's a great starting place for organizations. What is our culture? What makes us unique and distinct? And if you say, we're here to help people find and follow Jesus, congrats, so is everyone. Yeah. The idea is unique and distinct. Well, and so that's where I was, you know, I was going to, I'm going to play my role, continue to play my role as the contrarian a little bit, um, because I... I find that most churches feel like they are more distinct or feel like their culture is so unique than they actually are. And, 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 and here's the thing. They actually are, but what they're articulating isn't. It's right. the and same so, thing that everybody's reading in all the books. Well, I mean, all that's so, the same. So like, you know, most campus pastor job descriptions can be copy-pasted almost because we haven't gone through to really flush out what what does a campus pastor here need to look like um you know and, and to what you just said keith like it is a uh you know their the tagline is almost the same their website is the template there you know we, we all went to that same conference and walked out with the same five distinctives yep. and now we're going to go try and do something with that and i'm telling you if you go a couple layers deeper there is something about who you are and where you do it and who you're reaching and why you're reaching them that will be you unique to your culture and unique to to your mission and we are missing it in so many of our churches and this of the five is one of the ones that you have a lot of control over the way that you tell this story the way that you talk about why you exist as a church and again if it's a you know how many churches and i actually like this tagline but the idea of like you know um uh one church many locations awesome that's amazing. That's not why someone's going to choose to work at your church. It doesn't mean you no. get rid of that tagline. It doesn't mean that's great for the average attender. But there's something, but you are, that's not unique to you. There has to be something about it. So an example, uh, one of the most unique churches that, that I got a chance to work with was a church called New Song out here in Santa Ana. Um, what they're doing with Dave Gibbons, I mean, it's so unique. It's so different. And, and, and so... Though the youth pastor job description was fairly similar, that you know, as far you know, as far as bullet points, the type of person that would thrive there wouldn't thrive in the church three miles away. Yeah, doing the same exact job. 
they, the, those cultures are not going to be the same. So there's something so unique. The, the, the vision of who you are as a church has to come out as you put those profiles together, as you do your interviews. Mm-hmm. You really are helping someone um, uh, almost, you're, you're painting the picture in their mind for them to see themselves on your team. Well, yeah. every, every church, whether you know it or not, you probably have, what is, it's the rally cry. Yeah. What's the thing that the reason we exist, yes, we have a mission, the Great Commission, but why do we exist? There's, I remember one church that I worked with several years ago. I think they crystallized it really well. For them, it was, we will not wait. And it was this rallying cry around, there's people that are far from God, and we're not going to wait for them to come to us. We're going to go to them. Yeah. That was the ethos of their church. Yeah. We're, we're, we are on mission. We are focused. We're not going to wait. And that, when you can crystallize something down to a, a phrase, a heartbeat, a passion, and this usually, if you if you track it back, if you fo- follow the 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 breadcrumbs, it comes to the pastor's heart. Yeah. Usually, this comes mm-hmm. to the heart. Why you started, of, or why you still yeah. exist, exactly. And it may have become stale and old because you're established, and it's getting back. What is that? The first love. What is the thing that? Why do you wake up in the morning? Why do you, as the pastor, as the executive pastor? Why are you still excited about getting up and going to work and being at this place? And it might be something that you have to dig a little bit to figure out why mm-hmm. is it? Why am I giving my life? Because if you really think about what we're asking people to do, we only have so many days on this earth. Yeah. Why should a candidate give up days of their life that are numbered to partner with you to accomplish the mission that God has called you to? What is that thing that yeah. somebody's willing to give their life for? It's good. And I think that to understand that in the same way with location, what we were talking about, um, that your what is unique about your culture, your vision, your mission is going to attract someone. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. there is a, you know, I, I'm thinking right now of, of two, two churches that I've been working with. One is a charge the hill, go as hard as possible, you know, Hey, keep up or get off. You know what I mean? Like, and there's something. Yeah. And so some people might listen to that and be like, Oh, that's not for me. Other people might listen to that and be like, that's Let's exactly go. where I want yeah. to do it. I've got this other church that is, that is much more of a counseling culture. Like the lead pastor comes out of um, counseling was his first career. And so he starts off meetings with how's your, how's your heart? How's your soul? Let's talk mm. about how you're feeling today before we get into the nuts and bolts of everything. And, 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 and again, the juxtaposition of those two roles, roles someone is listening that is attracted to one or the other in a really interesting way now guess what's not unique about them they all meet on sunday mornings their services are at nine o'clock and ten forty-five. Right. they have they do the same 12 worship songs that most churches in america are doing <laughs> right now they are um in the middle of a, a capital campaign they're building this awesome uh, building generosity got, yeah, campaign. sorry, ja- sorry. generosity Gen- yes um Should generosity you know, initiative all of those things are are the same. Their their children's pastor, youth pastor, uh, executive pastor, all have the same job descriptions, almost totally. verbatim from the other church. What makes someone want to work at one, not the other, is how unique their mission and culture is. And absolutely. And one other thing to think through is the culture is the collective of who you are and who you have on your team. That's and it. bringing somebody else onto your team is going to alter the culture and maybe even the vision of your church and you have to be okay with that especially if you're hiring somebody that is the to your phrase for this episode david the leader of leaders <laughs> that you want a culture changer that's that's who we want is somebody that can 
if you want it, a culture well, changer. Well, right. It's yeah. not, do we, or, or are we just going to hire somebody that is exactly like us? Can, can I, so, so to wrap up this, you know, this last one, um, the, the, the question I really love asking this, you know, when I'm doing, you know, interviewing a church about bringing in new candidates, um, it's, it's, it's really two. Hey, what is it about who you are that you would hate to lose in this new hire? Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really gets to the heart of, of, of who, the, what, the, what your culture is and yeah. who fits your team. Hey, if you bring somebody on, you would hate it if they got rid of this. Yeah. About the program, about the staff, about your culture. And then what is it that's, that right now you need someone with outside eyes to come in and, and, and really, really put some attention to? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and right away, you're just going to start to figure out the kind of person that you want. And, whether you are looking for someone to come in and and change it all or whether you're looking for someone to come in and fit in what it is that you're currently doing neither one is better than the other but you have to be honest about the one you're looking for because that will be that will help to determine the kind of person that's going to come on your team yeah and at the end of the day the bottom line on this is organizations that pay attention to culture and are keeping their hand on the wheel and are making sure that they're putting things in place within the weekly rhythm of their teams to build culture, yep. to enhance culture, to spread that culture out. It has to be intentional. Yeah. I don't know who said it, but culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? And yep. so that idea, um, I think is, I'm encouraged as I've traveled and I've seen yeah. churches, mm-hmm. like more and more executive leaders especially are paying attention to this culture piece because they know it's the thing that will actually help them to build remarkable teams. That's good. Absolutely. I think one thing to think as we're wrapping this whole thing up, putting a bow on it, we've mentioned five things. Yeah. Location, compensation, a seat at the table, which is also voice. Yeah. Upward mobility. Upward mobility and unique culture, culture, unique culture and vision. None of these things is more important than the other. They all are are important, but not all are going to be tens for yeah. you. You're not going to be a 10 yeah. in every single level, and it's not a candidate who's looking at coming in, they're going to have a different level of, of importance as well. And yeah. so I, I like the, to have, I like to have um, churches score themselves almost yeah. like, Hey, score yourself from one to 10. Um, you know, one being low, 10 being high. Uh, how are you in, in number one? How are you in location? You know, again, your perception of your location, how are you in pay? And here's the thing. Like, uh, I think a lot of people, we, we get to location and pay and then we stop thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's okay. Hey, if your pay is a little lower or, or middle of the range, hey, maybe that's going to be a five. You, you know, you probably don't want it to be a one or a two, but that's, maybe that's a five or that's a six. Um, but your unique culture is a 10. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, though each of these things are going to attract a different kind of person. They're going to attract. And so you want the kind of person that will be attracted by these, by your scores yeah. on this. And, and so don't listen to this episode and think, Oh shoot! Like we, you know, we're a, we're only a five in blank category. We we'll, got to move our church to another. Yeah, city. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll we'll never recruit somebody here because we can't. You know, we're not at this number. That's that's not actually what this is all about. Yeah. What we want you to hear is, as you're listening through each of these categories, you know, the self awareness to understand where are you truly now in the things you have the ability to bring up that score. What are you doing to bring that score up? When it's all said and done, the, the entirety of those five is your profile. Yeah. It's not just one. Yeah. And the, the hiring event really starts 
with thinking through all of these things. Yeah. It, it's not just we need someone for this role. It's as we're searching, are we paying attention to these five areas? And what can we do as we're recruiting to make sure that we're bringing our best and yeah. thinking these through? Yeah. So good. Talking about bringing our best. We definitely did it with you guys here at this episode. You're such a you, suck up. You, you brought your best. <laughs> this was good. I feel like we, um, I, this is going to be helpful. This is good, very good yeah. stuff. And uh, appreciate you guys and your insight. Everybody, thank you for joining us today on the Slingshot Group Podcast. This has been an awesome one. Please, if you have not subscribed, subscribe and share it with a friend. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Go hire some good people. Go to your scorecards and find some people that like wherever you are because they're out there. See ya. Bye. We've come to that time in our podcast where we've invited some of our friends to share a few of their favorite stories from the front lines of ministry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this story. Our youth ministry is partnered with this organization that provides hot meals and groceries to vetted families that have youth and kids within the county. And so our youth ministry one Sunday afternoon decided to volunteer so we drove on site with our church bus with a handful of students, and so we got to participate in this amazing operation where we prepared the meal and organized the groceries. But the fun part was we actually get to deliver the meal and the groceries to a few families that you know have been selected for that week. And so we got our residence and the address, and so we all hopped back into the church bus. I plugged in the uh, the address and the GPS, and we were on our way. Well, when we were getting close, um, realized there was a kind of like a trailer park neighborhood. Um, and, and also just a little side note, it, it's raining pretty heavily and realizing that the trailer park does not have any really paved roads. So it's pretty muddy and thinking. So I looked, kind of assessed, all right, can this church bus make it through kind of the mud? Will it get stuck? Whatever. So anyway, I kept trying, got, got into the trailer park, found the residence. So thankful. Um, and so, you know, I'm kind of doing a, a survey, you know, I got students in the back, making sure, you know, we're all good to go. We got the trailer park coordinates located here. And so I get out of the bus to just kind of do the surveillance, make sure, you know, we got the right address. But as I was doing that, I, I saw a little chihuahua running right after me and literally bit me on the ankle. Uh, so all the students saw it cause there's inside the church bus. So I kind of make a little yelp, like a you know, like a chihuahua dog because I just got bit by one. So I go back to the church bus, you know, kind of assess my wound. There's not, there's no blood. There's definitely teeth marks, but I think I'm good. We got to, we got to make the delivery. We're on mission here. So all the students get out, we go and deliver the hot meal and the groceries for the week. So, you know, we send our grace and peace and prayers to this family. It was incredible opportunity for the students to see this and do this. So we all get back to the church bus. So as I'm backing out, um, you know, the wheels are spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. And now I'm stuck in the mud. Uh, the church bus will not move and get out. So thankfully, one of the uh, neighbors saw the bus stuck in my panic, probably, and thankfully had a huge truck and a pulley system. It was able to pull me out. Of, of kind of this now ditch I created. Uh, so got us out and then our students were on the way. So overall, I think it was a pretty successful day of ministry. 
Uh, I ended up going to the doctor. I'm okay. So everyone's worried that I was, I was okay by the bite. Um, the bus was okay. You know, I reported to our church administrator and, uh, just said probably not a good idea to bring a church bus in, uh, in wet dirt trying to drive and navigate. Thank you for joining us this week on the Slingshot Group podcast. We invite you to continue the conversation with us on social media. You can find Slingshot Group on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, be sure to visit us at slingshotgroup.org to find out more about how we build remarkable teams through staffing and coaching. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the Slingshot Group podcast so you'll never miss a show. Until next time.